Breath Mints, Battle Scars by Onyx and Elm. Chapter 34. January 30th, 1999. Diary. I forgot. I didn't think that it was actually fucking possible to forget what it's like to feel normal. But I fucking forgot. And now I have to figure out what to do with myself. Because I don't know who I am without that pain. For two years now, a fuck almost three, I've based everything off of it. Been making room for it, accommodating it, accounting for it, expecting and preparing for it. But now, no thanks to you lot, it's gone. And of course, of fucking course she had to be the one to take it away. Because it wouldn't be my life and my luck if I didn't have to owe her one more thing. Always one more thing. I feel blank now without the pain. None of my other feelings can possibly function as aggressively as it did. Have as much power over me as it did. Fuck. I'm wondering if I actually fucking miss it. No. No, that's not what I miss. I miss the life I had before it. Draco. February 1st, 1999. It's one of the only times she's late, and conveniently it's also one of the worst times she could be, but she hasn't been sleeping well. Therefore, on the rare occasions she does manage it, it's immensely difficult for her to wake back up, and today she's slept through all of breakfast as well as those precious 15 minutes leading up to Defence Against the Dark Arts. She scrambles in, hair askew, just as hesty as going over the day's lesson, and it's embarrassing enough to interrupt with her tardiness. It's so much worse that the last seat available happens to be next to him. Worse still that now, out of nowhere, he's chosen to start attending classes again. Why today of all days? Why? After she's resolved, made a bloody pact with herself, to stay away from him. She stops dead a few feet from the door, everyone staring at her, including him and Hestia. Miss Granger, wonderful of you for joining us. There's no real bite to Hestia's tone, but she may as well have slapped her. The whole situation has spiralled so wildly out of control so fast. Have a seat. Malfoy wears a neutral expression as she makes a halting approach, her hand cramping in its fist around the strap of her book bag. Her eyes find his left arm instantly, a safer target than his eyes. Nothing seems amiss. All of her real work is hidden beneath the white sleeve of his shirt, and his hand appears to be resting normally on the desk. Still, though, that's not what it looks like. All manner of things had, could, could have gone wrong internally. But she's not about to ask him, not about to guide herself towards any situation that involves talking to him. She's decided. She has decided. She stayed up half the night talking to Ginny after coming back from the dungeons, and together they reached the conclusion that nothing positive could come from this, that Jackson Pollock was a dead end, period. She's decided. She finally takes her seat, jackknifes herself against the back of the chair, staring straight ahead and fruitlessly trying to force all of the attention onto Hestia. She has to start breathing through her mouth as soon as his scent gusts up against her. It reminds her of too many things. It's too easy now for her to pinpoint exactly where each subtle aspect of his musk comes from. The oaky citrus from his cologne, the watery freshness in the soap he uses, the clean linen from his clothes, and the peppermint. Of course, the peppermint, from those breath mints she's tasted on his tongue. The ones she's stolen from his mouth on occasion and swallowed herself. She flushes a deep red, manually adjusts her attention once more, 
staring at Hestia with so much force her eyes start to water. Malfoy hasn't moved. She can sense his eyes are straight ahead as well, and she's relieved at that. Can't be sure what his gaze could do to her at this point. And she soldiers on through the first half of the lecture by reminding herself that this is the one of the last times she'll have to be close to him. She's decided. From here on out it'll be easier, and by God she'll never be late again. But then Hestia announces the interactive portion of the lesson, and it becomes abundantly clear that all the odds are stacked against her. I want nice clean jewels, pair up with your desk mates, one of you will come to choose and act primarily on the offensive, the other defensive. Everyone stands, and Hermione feels as though the floor drops out from under her as she follows suit, feels that all of her strength and conviction vanishes with the desk as Hestia charms them away. She casts a desperate look in Ginny's direction and finds only sympathy, no bright ideas, no escape plan. What? What has she done to deserve such bad luck? Aside from losing her virginity to Malfoy, and what now appears to have been a whim, and then proceeding to go back for more, which is a terrible direction for her thoughts to go. Other pairs have already started their jewels, the room alight with the glows and crackles of different spells. But she can't even bring herself to look at him. It hears him awkwardly clear his throat as if they find an empty spot over in the corner. Which do you... He starts, but she cuts him off. Offensive. That's at least she's certain of. There's a drawn-out silence. She finally forces herself to glance his way, finding him a tall, lanky shadow a feet from her. Wand loose in his hand. Right, he evenly replies. As usual, she can't read his tone. He's flattened it out, like an iron to a skirt, and she's already glanced away but she sees the shape of him settle into a duelling stance in her periphery. When you're ready. It isn't meant to be condescending, but she chooses to take it as such, eyes tightening as she meets his eyes once more. She urges the anger to fuel her first spell. Stupefy! she shouts with a rough flick of her hand, and duly disappointed when his casual protego beats it away. She sinks into a better stance, facing him head on now. Casts it again, this time with more strength. Again, he deflects it, but he has to move quicker. Seems a little surprised. She likes the look of that. Stupefy, she casts once more, hoping to lull him into a full sense of comfort, hoping he'll think that's all she intends to work on today. But his protective charm has only just escaped the tip of his wand, when, in quick succession, she rattles off, Reducto! Flipendo! Levacorpus! Shocked and unprepared, he's only able to deflect the first one, fumbling for a tighter grip on his wand. The second knocks him back, and then he's catapulted several feet into the air, with the third hitting the ground to harden the way down. A bizarre and rather intense wave of pleasure rips through her as she watches him slowly find his feet, rubbing the back of his head where it hits the stone. A few students turned and watched it happen. Seamus is laughing, and she thinks she sees Ron and Harry exchange smiles. Maybe they thought she'd go easy on him. Maybe they thought she still had her wrapped around his little finger. Her thoughts fly unbidden to the night of the Hallows' Eve ball, to Theo's words. She pushes them away, fingers going white and the bloodless around the base of her wand. Malfoy is watching her warily, his own stance much more defensive than it had been before, and she sees they've also caught Hesse's attention. She's always on the lookout for situations in which she might need to intervene. 
Hermione wonders whether this will be one of them. But then Malfoy calls out, Expelliarmus, and her mind goes blank as she blocks it, blocks the second that follows. Rectum's Emperor! Malfoy blocks that one right back. She grits her teeth. If it worked before, it'll work again. Flipendo! she cries, and then quickly he blocks it, instinctively blurts out, Incarcerous! Hestia's cut gasp from the corner is overshadowed by Malfoy's, and before she realises what she's done, he's writhing on the ground in the ever-tightening bind of her conjured ropes. She falters, steps back and lifts her wand to stop it, but Hestia is much faster. Finite! Malfoy remains panting on the ground for several seconds after the ropes are gone, but Hestia steps in front of him and blocks her view. That is not a spell we use during classroom duels. Surely you are aware of that, Miss Granger. Hermione can only bring herself to nod. The rest of the classroom has gone silent. Fifteen points from Gryffindor, Hestia says, as though it matters, as though anyone still cares about the House Cup. And you're dismissed for today. Now that, that matters. That is much more meaningful. She feels her face go hot with shame, swallowing thickly as she turns and collects her book bag. She's careful not to look Malfoy's way as she makes a hasty exit head down. And what's gotten into her? She never would have pulled something like that in previous years. I had to draw Malfoy on more than one occasion for classes, and always managed to keep her temper in check. She's being careless. He makes her careless. Makes her emotions run too hot and too high, always on the verge of boiling over. And as she makes her way down the staircases, unsure what to do with herself for the next half hour, She's even more convinced that removing him from her life is the only solution, the best option. She'll cut him out like a cancer if she has to. They're leaving potions when it happens. Despite being fully off to a particularly bad start, the rest of the day has been good to her. Ron, having loved seeing Malfoy land on his arse and in his high spirits. He's been more open and talkative. He's even made a few jokes. She wonders if it's possible that Ron's only happy when Malfoy isn't, but doesn't linger on that thought. As they ascend from the dungeons, Harry, Ron and Ginny split off to play an informal round of Quidditch before dinner. She decides she'll spend the next hour in the library, possibly drafting a written apology to Hestia and practising some spells. She has loads to catch up on, after all. But as the corridors clear out and she rounds a corner into the empty hallway, there's a flash and a little crack. And then the tripping jinx has her flat on her face. She gasps against the flagstone, chin throbbing, and she struggles to find her footing, collect everything she's dropped. The caster doesn't let her, and the contents of her bag spill out across the floor as another jinx knocks her onto her back. She fumbles for her wand, casting Protego just as a third jinx comes spiralling her way. Its source steps into view. What in God's name do you think you're... Don't talk, Granger, Malfoy snaps. Just listen. There's no way she's doing that. She leaps to her feet and hurls a flipendo at him, but he blocks it easily and proceeds to speak around the parade of jinxes that follow, fending them off one by one. It's occurred to me that perhaps you just don't really have an outlet for all of... He pauses to gesture at her as a whole. This... And then he ducks when she launches another incarcerous way. He clearly hasn't learned from last time. She can't believe he has the nerve to attack her over a petty classroom duel. 
opens her mouth to tell him such when he launches more hexes. I can't believe you! His rependo catches her by surprise and she stumbles back several feet with the force of it. I said listen, Granger. He throws another, but she almost doesn't have time to block. Because I think we've stumbled onto something quite brilliant here. A hex is halfway out of her mouth when his words register. I... She shifts one point at him. Excuse me? This, he drawls, gesturing between them as though it's obvious. It's clear. You need this. Excuse me? She says again, with more force this time. But instead of answering, he tosses aside his own book bag and splays his arms wide. Go ahead, Granger. Have at me. Her brows knit themselves together with enough pressure to give her a headache. I... what? Take out your anger. Let's duel, he announces, not a drop of hesitation in his voice. Clearly you need a way to rid yourself of all the rage you've built up towards me. We don't get anywhere until you do. So do it, Granger. Be rid of it. I'm right here. He spreads his arms wider. You! She huffs incredulously. You're joking! A fraction of her brain has zeroed in on the words we and anywhere and proceeds to overanalyze them into oblivion because Malfoy seems to somehow think they can get past this. Get past what he did. I'm not, he says flatly, and there's a challenge in his eyes. That addictive, daring flair she can never seem to resist. But no, no, she's decided. Decided! Leave me alone, Malfoy, she forces out, struggles to turn away and rip her bag off the floor, casting an accio to collect all that spilled. Coward! He calls after her. She starts to walk. She's surprised at how naturally it comes out. Fuck you! And she doesn't look back, picking up her pace, acutely aware of him doing the same. Another tripping jinx skids past her ankles. An intentional miss, but enough to make her gasp. She tosses a bewildered, furious glance over her shoulder as he casts another, and then she breaks into a run. Because she can't do this. They can't do this. He's not going to do this. Not again. No. Breath coming in short little puffs, she sprints around another deserted corner, desperate to escape. Alamora, she hisses at the first door she sees, yanking it open and throwing herself inside without realising just how close behind her Malfoy really is. He bursts into the disused classroom before she can lock it behind her, and all she can think is, idiot, idiot, you're an idiot, Hermione. She's trapped. She backs against the far wall next to a pile of broken desks, wand out and trembling. Leave me alone, she snaps again, surprised by the level of fear in her voice. Malfoy locks the door behind them wordlessly, wandlessly, standing tall and foreboding in front of her only exit. No, he says, and nothing more. Then it's only spells. One after another after another, over and over, back and forth. He comes at her with an arsenal of tricky little hexes she's never seen before, and she's forced to creatively adapt, heart pounding in her chest as the already impossible situation escalates beyond belief. The room glows with the lights of their spells, blue and violet and red, the ones that miss knocking into walls and breaking glass. She can hardly believe this is happening, can hardly believe his nerve, Bastard! Bastard! She screams aloud, 
hitting him with a rather powerful stupefied square in the chest. He gasps and stumbles back and recovers quickly, responding in turn with a rictum semper so unbearable she doubles over. Little by little the distance between them closes, spells growing brighter and louder as their targets converge. They're screaming obscenities at one another and using the worst spells they know, all the ones short of lethal, and when she hears the word mudblood she fucking loses it. Expelliarmus! she cries. They're only two feet apart, and as his wand flies off to the side she tosses hers away and charges forth, palms shooting out in front of her to shove him back hard. Oh no, she realises too late, because she's just made this physical, and she isn't sure how he'll... Malfoy shoves her right back, hands hot for once as they close around her shoulders and force her away. She staggers, aghast, then comes charging back with a renewed fury, shoving and clawing at him as he blocks her little assaults. Feel better, Granger, he baits, yanking at her wrists. She lets loose a little shriek and rips an arm free, unable to stop herself before her palm connects hard with the smooth plane of his face. The slap echoes. She gasps at herself and shrinks back. Malfoy fixes her with the darkest glare she thinks she's ever seen, letting out a little hiss through his teeth. Her pulse hiccups at the sight. Next she knows he's coming at her fast, and she's backpedalling, and he has her arms in his bruising grip at all at once, and then he's shoving her back so hard she slams into an old, creaking bureau, knocks a drawer loose. Her hips throb. He takes hold of her again, crowding into her space and throwing her back against the wood once, twice more. This is what you fucking want, Granger. Yeah? A third time. Is it? She shoves at him, panicking, waiting for him to actually hit her, hurt her, really hurt her. Her nails pierce what flesh she manages to grow onto. Tell me you hate me, he seethes, inches from her face ripping her clawing hands away and holding them by the forearms in a vice. He gives her a rough shake. Huh? Tell me! Fucking tell me! I hate you! She splutters, tears prickling at her eyes, anger boiling in her chest. She's... she's furious, she's livid, she's... confused. She's so many things, so many fucking things at once. Again, he demands with another shake hot breath whipping against her face. Say it again. I hate you! Yeah? Yes! Tell me. I hate you! She screams, beating her trapped fist as best she can against his panting chest. I hate you for what you did. I hate you for using me like that. Using Ron like that. I hate you for making me think I could trust you. I hate you! Good! He roars. And then, as the echoes of their shouts dissipate, there's an unbearably tense moment of silence. Her eyes flicker, terrified and furious and confused, between both of his, and his bruising grip on her forearms doesn't ease up. He pants like a bull down into her face, sweat beading on his brow. She smells that peppermint. His mouth lands on hers like he means to fuse it into her slams down hard and knocks their teeth together, noses colliding, foreheads meeting. She lets out this cut little gasp, but all that does is open her mouth to him and then his tongue is sliding in. And it takes about three seconds for the alarm bells to shut off, for her to push back against him, 
lips closing over his, kissing back, fighting back. He frees her arms with a low groan and instantly she's tangling her hands in his hair. His own hands roam, one driving low to hitch up her thigh, hook it around his waist, the way he seems to like it, the other coming to a clasp around her throat, and that faint voice in her head that's reminding her how much she absolutely shouldn't be fucking do this melts away, just evaporates. She makes a desperate sound into his mouth, breaking away just to breathe, but the absence is too painful, too much of a loss makes her dive back in before her lungs are full. He kisses her hungrily, devours her mouth until her lips are swollen and possibly bleeding and her eyes are clouded over with lust. She needs to stay away from him, put a stop to all of this. Eyes on hers, Malfoy lets go of her throat, sucks a finger into his mouth slowly, languidly letting her watch. She's mesmerised. And then he's bunching up her skirt around her waist, and he doesn't even bother with teasing touches or hesitations. He dips his hands beneath her knickers and thrusts that finger in deep. Hermione throws her head back with a sharp gasp, skull smacking against one of the bureau's higher drawers. She doesn't notice. Doesn't care. She needs this more. Fuck, he growls as he hitches her leg up higher, working his finger into a rhythm. I didn't think you'd be wet. The flush of embarrassment fights with the flush of arousal on her cheeks. She doesn't dare lift her head up and look at him, just watches the ceiling, panting up at it, seeing it sway back and forth with the rocking of her body against his hand. You like it when I throw you around then, yeah, Granger? His voice is husky, broken by his laboured breathing. He adds a second finger, and her eyes flutter shut. But then his hand abandons her thigh and finds her throat again, forces her head up so she's looking at him. Yeah? he asks again, eyes burning. His rhythm kicks up a notch. Fuck you, is all she can manage. But he grins unexpectedly, grins in that way she likes, that crooked, curled lip, sharp tooth grin, that one that makes her want to lay down for him, surrender to him. Let him do what he wants with her. Malfoy drags her in close, putting his lips at her ear. That's the idea. Brick, she breathes, closing her eyes again. And he curls his fingers inside of her, momentarily hits some delicious spot that sends sparks scattering behind her eyelids. <sighs> she gasps out, hands raking through his hair, eyes snapping back open to find his desperately. What? he pants, and for a moment all the anger, all the roughness is gone from his face. His fingers go still, right over the spot, then slide away. She hisses, scrapes her nails down his scalp, whimpering, watching his eyes roll back into his head for the slightest moment. No, no! she squirms against him. Go back! Go back! His fingers move again, almost as though he plans to pull them out. What are you? They graze the spot. She jerks. Shrieks. There! Fuck! Her head thunks back against the bureau once more, and she can't believe the words coming out of her mouth. But she... she needs... she just... Right there! Right there! 
She pounced over and over, chanting it like a prayer. Please! And she feels Malfoy's fingers go still. Actually feels him piecing it together. Understanding. In the next instant, he's all power once again. He's got control back. Hand tightening around her throat, his lips return to her ear. There, he asks, taunts, his fingers swirling over the spot in a way that makes her see colours. Neon colours. Traces and lights. Fucking hallucinations. Yes, she gasps out. His tongue traces the shell of her ear. Like that. She moans loudly, doesn't care who hears. Yes, like that. He pulls his fingers out immediately. The loss is physically painful, and when she throws her head back up to protest, she finds him licking them clean and forgets what she's planned to say. Then, all at once, he's yanking at her hips, twisting her, demanding, Turn around. What? Turn the fuck around. He yanks one hip so hard she loses balance and swivels, front forced against the bureau instead. She hears him undoing his belt buckle, sucks in a sharp breath, and then she feels the hard length of him as he crowds his warm body up against hers. But before he does anything else, his chin comes to rest on her shoulder, and his left arm slides past her waist into her line of sight. Panting, she stares down at it as he rolls up his sleeve, voice vibrating against her. Do you see that? he asks. Yes, she breathes. She does. She sees the clean skin and the faint pink scar where she sewed him back up, and sees the slightly paler shade of it, indicating there's nothing beneath. But her eyes start to flutter shut when his mouth finds her ear once more. Tong toying with the lobe as he nibbles at it. Here's the problem, Granger, he says, and she leans her head back so it falls onto his chest, the ache in her lower abdomen turning slowly to a burn. You took that away, all that pain, all of that hate. But once that was gone, so were you. She goes abruptly still. And even as his hand starts to lift and back of her skirt, drag her knickers down her thighs, she can only listen. Do you know what it's like to feel empty? To feel nothing? Yes, she does. But she can't answer. That's what you did to me. His voice is shifting from a calm murmur to a growl. You took away everything. I couldn't feel anything. No pain. No you. Nothing. And then a cold laugh falls from his lips. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I just don't accept that. He's inside of her before she has any way to prepare for it. A cut cry leaps past her lips as she sucks over the edge of the bureau. Shocked at the intrusion, at the angle, at his words, at all of it. His hands curl around the front of her thighs and pry them further apart. Instantly, as a result, he sinks deeper and she gasps as a stab of pleasure shoots through her. As that throb starts to squeeze the good nerves... I don't, he continues, as though she can follow along, as though he isn't slowly fucking her against a bureau. I refuse. I fucking need you. Her fingers curl into fists against the wood, eyes squeeze shut. F fuck you, she manages feebly. 
and suddenly he's doubled that slow, deep pace, thrusting hard into her so she cries out, gasps with each surge, her breaths coming in a cut staccato. Still, she tries to talk herself through it, tries to ignore that steadily building tension between her legs that each of those thrusts is threatening to snap. Oh, how do I know? Fuck! Oh, should... should I be... Oh, God! Should I be... expecting Ron to come in? Malfoy dries in deeper than ever, a hard, punishing thrust that rips a shriek from her throat. Don't fucking talk about him. Not right now. And his hand slides up to around her body to rest on her throat again. Not while I'm doing this to you. And she's effectively silenced. Can't manage anything more as his steady rhythm starts to slip away. Grows haphazard and desperate as he starts to lose control. She's right there with him. Her legs are shaking, threatening to buckle. Tell me you understand, he gasps against her shoulder, hips grinding hard into hers. That ache so rich and full between her legs. Don't take it away. And now she sounds as though he's pleading, chest rising and falling, fast against her back. Don't. Don't take away the only thing I can feel. The only thing I want to feel. She opens her mouth to warn him, because she's going to fall off that edge, tumble over it and into the waves of ecstasy below. If he hits that spot one more, Malfoy gives a furious gasp, grinding out, I'm fucking in love with you! And the orgasm rips through her like a tsunami. Has no regard for the feeling state of her mind or the sudden throb in her heart just ricochets with all its electricity and all its gelatinous pleasure through every vessel and vein in her body almost as though it's contagious it hits Malfoy next and she feels him tense up against her feels his thrusts falter and then he's groaning into her shoulder biting down as his own release battles its way out in the silence that follows they're left trembling his breaths are short and cold against her clammy skin. Her knees are wobbling. She swallows the knot in her throat. Her voice is hoarse. What did you say? Chapter 35 February 1st, 1999 Backpedal Back. Ped. Al. Verb. To renege on, back down on, fell to honour, Shift one's ground. Take back. Reconsider. Withdraw. Abandon. It's the definition she sees in his eyes the moment she turns around. A blind panic. A bottomless vulnerability. She only catches a glimpse of it, because now he won't look at her. Can't, it seems. He zips his trousers and tucks in his shirt with trembling fingers, gaze fixed firmly on the flagstone between her feet. You should go to dinner he says in a flat voice. They'll come looking for you. It's only when she tastes blood that she realises she's been biting down on her tongue. Her pulse is staggering its way back to normal, and the flush in her cheeks and down her neck is hot, sweltering. More than anything, she wants to open her mouth and dare him to say it again. Dare him to own up to it. Deal with the consequences of it. Accept it. But not since second year. Not since he crashed his broom chasing after Harry and the snitch. Not since he looked up, bruised and battered, at his father in the stands. Has she seen him look so vulnerable? 
so like a child, and it makes her bite down harder. Just this once, Malfoy, she thinks as he smooths his tousled hair and paces awkward lines, no doubt bracing for her reaction. For a fight. Just this one last favour. This once. She clears her throat, sees him tense at the sound of it, but she just straightens her skirt and goes to find her discarded wand. He glances up at last as she heaves her bag onto her shoulder, and all she can manage to say is, Right then, almost inaudibly. He blinks. She leaves. For the entirety of that evening, Hermione feels as though she's been dropped ten metres onto her head. She can't form coherent thoughts. Doesn't really want to, to be honest. It seems as though it would be physically painful to try. She just keeps hearing that voice, that low, familiar, breathless husk, saying the words she doesn't understand, saying words that shouldn't be said. And how dare he? How dare he let such careless, violent words come out of his mouth? Words with such dire consequences. Then again, Malfoy's never been good with consequences. She can't even allow herself to hear the words in her head. Truly, she almost believes if she manages not to think about it, it'll be like it never happened, like he never said it. She's practically a ghost at dinner, doesn't eat, doesn't speak. Ginny can obviously tell there's something amiss, but she's both smart and kind enough not to draw any more attention to it. That isn't to say that no one else notices. Both Harry and Ron raise wary eyebrows at her on separate occasions, but she manages to pass it off as embarrassment, humiliation at her dismissal from class this morning. She wonders if she'll ever get to stop lying to them. The logical part of her brain warns her not to pretend she has no choice. The other part is busy retracing every moment spent in that disused classroom. She toys with the idea of a sip of pumpkin juice as she remembers the heat of his breath on the back of her neck, tips the goblet past her lips, but never manages to swallow, spits it out across her empty plate instead. Oh no. Hermione! Everyone seems to sputter at once. Her hand trembles as she hurries to vanish the mess with her wand. Sorry, sorry, she babbles. Choked. I just choked. I, um, I think I'd, um... Best, best be off to bed. Yes, bed. Um, good night. Lying. Always lying. But she can't go to bed. Not when she's been so stupid. For what must be the hundredth time, she turns her back on the confused faces of her friends and hurries from the great hall. Fool, she mutters to herself as she storms towards the dungeons. Bloody, bloody idiot. She walks right past Slytherin. That's the last thing she needs in this moment. No, it's the potions classroom she wants. Slughorn is at dinner, elbows deep in stew and sausage. He'll be none the wiser, and she takes a moment to convince herself that he wouldn't mind, seeing as this is an emergency. But, oh, to imagine what her first-year self would think if she could see her right now. Alamora. She shuts the heavy door quietly behind herself and casts a charm to light the many candles. If she had time to stop and think about it, she might have come to realise that, at the very least, this served as a distraction from other, more uncertain thoughts. But her sole focus is, in this moment, is the potion she's not even sure she remembers how to brew. The other Gryffindor girls always used to call it last resort liquor, both for its sickly sweet taste and its connotations. Out 
absolute moron, she hisses as she gathers what she hopes are the correct ingredients. She made a promise to herself years and years ago, ages before she was sexually active, that she would never forget to perform the contraceptive charm. Clearly, 12-year-old Hermione had no idea what it would be like to be caught up in the moment. Caught up in... Malfoy. A shiver mixed with the slightest twinge of despair rides up in her spine. She shakes her head free of the torch of him and tries to concentrate on brewing. One sprig of jellyweed? Or two? Half a teaspoon of honey water? Is there supposed to be any honey water at all? She starts a fire under a cauldron and begins adding ingredients to the best of her knowledge, hopes to base it off its scent, to bring it as close as she can to what she remembers from those few practice brews. At the back of her mind, she's picturing Madame Pomfrey's shrewd gaze, thinking back to her lecture, a lecture which now seems justified. Bloody Malfoy. It's his fault too. Not entirely, though at least partially, but no, it isn't smart to think about him. Her curls begin to twist and frizz as they always do, steam billowing up in her face. A powerful, molasses-like scent starts to fill the classroom. What's the worst that can happen if she's gotten it wrong, she wonders. Nausea? Fever? A change of hair colour? It can't be anything compared to the incident with Millicent Bullshrode's cat. No, the worst that she can do is make it not work. And by God, she needs it to work. She can't... I can't even fathom what that would... That would just... That would just complicate... That would... Bloody hell, don't think about it! Before she's even certain it's finished, and certainly before it's had the chance to cool, she ladles a cupful of the dark violet brew into her flask and downs it in one go. The heat burns her throat, the sweetness itching across her tongue and making her stomach clench. She grimaces, chokes down the last of it and then begins to cough. Better this than... Stop thinking about it! A warm pulse engulfs her stomach. She glances down and catches a glimpse of the violet glow before another cough racks through her chest. Thank God! She tries to heave a sigh of relief, but manages only to cough even more. She coughs until her eyes water, face buried in her sleeve as she waves her wand around in the other hand, clearing away the evidence. At first she thinks it's the flasks and jars of ingredients causing the raucous thinks they're responsible for the thuds and crashes she's suddenly hearing, perhaps they hit the backs of the cupboards they're returning to. It's only when her wand hand goes still and the coughing subsides that she realises the noise is elsewhere. It's out in the corridor. She can hear it through the potions classroom door. Rapid footsteps, several pairs by the sound of it, with different uneven strides, and shouting. Hermione goes very still, holds her breath to listen. For a long moment, she's too confused to manage anything else. Then she slowly manages to make her way towards the door, pressing her ear against the thick, rough wood. No! No! she hears. It's a boy's voice, though she can't tell whose. It echoes off the walls, and she thinks she can hear feet scuffling on the floor. You can't! It isn't legal! You can't! Stop! comes from somewhere else, and she almost gives her ear splinter she adjusts to hear it better. Stop it! That voice. She knows that voice. Pansy! Stop it! Open the door, Hermione, a foreign voice inside her head commands. 
like a threat, like a warning. Open the door. She steps out into chaos. Auras. Auras are everywhere, charging through the dungeon's corridor in thick black robes towards the Slytherin common room, and the ones going back the other way have students in their grasp. Again, she finds herself frozen. She presses herself back against the potion's door to avoid a trampling, eyes locking on Pansy at the far end where she struggles in the grip of a burly, grunting man. Pansy is scratching and spitting and cursing and altogether putting up quite an admirable fight, but Hermione can see her wand in the man's grip and ultimately she manages to put her in a full body bind. This is absolutely unacceptable, Mr Dawlish. I insist you leave at once! McGonagall's familiar voice booms across the corridor and Hermione's head snaps in her direction. She's following hot on the heels of a purposeful-looking man Hermione vaguely recognises as Dawlish and she's wondering why she's... Why is that name... Oh, God. It's happening. Just like Theo said it would. I have ministry orders, headmaster. It's in your best interest to stay out of our way, the man Dawlish snaps, the hem of his robes whispering against Hermione's shins as he storms past. Across the way, Millicent Bulstrode is being dragged through the hidden barrier of the Slytherin common room, screaming bloody murder. No! No! What did I do? Tell me what I did! What did I do? Over and over, Hermione can hear the same phrase being barked out by different auras. Adrian Pusey, you are hereby charged as a supporter to the Death Eater cause, as an accomplice to the Death Eater cause, as a bystander to the Death Eater cause. Your sentence is to be evaluated. Pending new evidence, solicitors have been notified. Surrender your wand. Pansy Parkinson, you are hereby charged. Blaze Sabini, you are hereby charged. Millicent Bulstrode, feared or not. Draco Malfoy. Hermione's breath catches in her throat. Her legs lock. Her mouth goes dry. You are hereby charged as an accomplice and a weaponised agent to the Death Eater cause. Your sentence is to be re-evaluated pending new evidence. Your solicitor has been notified. Surrender your wand. (laughs) 